God, there are people in this room that need a special touch from you. God, they need their eyes open to the truth of your word. I pray that you would do that. God, as part of tonight, I, I share my testimony and some of the things that I've experienced in my own uh, young adult life. God, I pray that that would touch somebody's life. Lord, sometimes all we have is the testimony that you have given us of what you have done in our lives. And God, sometimes we make it more complicated than that. And I pray that I would not do that. I pray that I would just share from my heart. And then I would glorify your son Jesus through the testimony of what you have done, the power of, of God and God alone, what you have done. So, Lord, be glorified in this time. Change our lives forever through the power of your word and the power of the testimony of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So don't be afraid of the chair. Sometimes I feel like I need to sit so I can communicate. Um, I feel like I need to talk to my, my kids a little bit, you know. I did that at camp, just really opened up to you, shared a little bit about my life, told you about some of the things that I've been through and what I had endured in my young adult life, where God had brought me. And so I'm going to do a little bit of that tonight. Um, I never really went on a youth camp until I was an adult. I, I got saved at nine years old, gave my life to Christ, and I know God saved me, but I never went on a youth camp. I never went um, and was really a part of a youth group or anything like that. The first camp I went to was as an adult, and I wasn't like in a ministry role or anything like that, I was, I was just a guy helping out, right? Which is kind of still what I am today, right? Just a guy helping out. Well, I went there, and, and when I experienced, uh, one, one of the things that's interesting about this camp, I remember specifically, they were going to try out this new song, and it was called Revelation Song. Um, yeah, everybody's like, man, that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was. Uh, they were like, we got this new awesome song and we want to play it for everybody and it's really cool we've been working on it. it's called revelation song i was like really all right let's see so anyway so we we went up to this camp just outside of gatlinburg and uh you know as god continues to work there's something special about camp that happens and you guys a lot of you experienced this when we went and i i begged a lot of you to go so you could experience this yourself but when you get away from the world a little bit and you get alone with Jesus, some things, some supernatural things start to happen and some bonds get created there that you didn't think were possible. Some of you are sitting beside people right now that you never thought you'd sit beside previous to that camp. And you develop some friendships and relationships there that you really didn't think were possible. I mean, you kind of saw people and you were like, ah, yeah, maybe, sort of. But when God transformed you, when you finally got away from the world, and, and you got close to Jesus, something started happening. And that's why I beg you to go to camp, because this happened to me when uh, the very first time I went to a youth camp, even as an adult. They played this song called Revelation Song, and Kayla, I don't even think you were with us on that trip. It was six months before you joined us. Um, and, uh, and God just wrecked my soul. I mean, just I was, this, this is how crazy it was. I was on my knees. I don't even know if there was anybody around at the altar, there wasn't an altar, it was just concrete floor like this, and I had a hoodie on, and I pulled that hoodie over my head, and I, and I cried so much that there was a pool of tears on the floor, and, and I, all I could do, I mean, because I was in such agony over how God was, the Holy Spirit of God was like just wretching my soul, you know, my heart was being just squeezed out like a sponge, 
that I just, I pulled on my hair. Um, I, I don't know if I pulled any out, but I know that when I stood back up, man, I had my hoodie on and like my hair was all crazy. I mean, I looked like Einstein. My hair was just out to here. That's all I could do was just grab my hair and, and I, I just wept right there on the floor. And I was like, man, I have missed this. I, had, I didn't do this till I was an adult. And look what God is doing in my heart. Even as an adult, I didn't care that I was, I was an adult going on a youth trip. God could still speak to me as, as an adult on a youth trip, just like God can speak to adults on a youth trip. Now, some of the adults that went with us, they know that God has spoken to them when they went with us this past week. And, and God was just like doing something. I was like, man, I missed this. I just, I so desperately don't want you to, you guys to miss that, you know? I really do. I want you to, to understand the supernatural power of what happens at camp and how things look different at camp. When you get away from everything else and you get alone with each other, things just change. They just do. There was a, uh, a movie back in the 1980s. See, I'm, a, I'm an 80s kid, right? So I'm like really old. So I know you, none of you have ever seen a movie from the 80s. There was this movie called The Breakfast Club. Don't go watch it, okay? I'm just going to tell you that. <laughs> Some of the adults are like, oh, Netflix, they're going to go watch it. No, don't go watch it. Um, if you got one of those uh, little boxes that filter out all the words, you may not even hear anything. But anyway, in the breakfast club, all these kids have got to go to Saturday school. It's like detention for them. And they've got to go to Saturday school. And they're there on a Saturday, and they've got to write like a thousand words on, you know, who they are or whatever, right? So they're there, and they're stuck in this library, and, and they get to know one another. And they, they, get, they get away from the world for just this one Saturday, and they get to hang out with one another, and they fight a lot, and they, they complain about all kinds of stuff, and they're just going at each other's throat. But at the end of the day, they've become friends. They, they've gotten tight. They've, they've grown together for whatever reason, just being alone together. They've grown together. And, and, and the guy, there's like a nerd, and then there's a jock, and then there's like this punk guy that just wants to cut people, and like there's this goth-looking chick, and, and then there's the preppy-looking girl that all she does is worry about lipstick and, and, and nail polish. And, and the adults know what I'm talking about, right? You're like you're a Molly Ringwald fan? Yeah. So anyway, so, um, so anyway, they're all hanging out, and they've all gotten close. And then, and then the nerdy-looking guy, I mean, he's like, he's been pouring out his heart talking about all the stuff that he endures at school and how people make fun of him and how they just, you know, they pick on him all the time. And, and he says, it, it, there's, this, there's this moment in the movie, it's called the what happens on Monday moment. And he asks the question, he says, well, what happens on Monday? And they're like, what do you mean? He says, well, right now we're all friends, right? Right now we're all closely connected and we're tight and he said I'm not crazy we are friends right and they're like yeah we are he said what happens on Monday we go back to school and all your friends come around and all my friends come around and all her friends come around what what happens on Monday and Molly Ringwald who's the preppy chick that uh, is all done up all the time and she goes well nothing's going to change from the way it was on Friday she said if we're truly honest about it, if we're, we're honest with each other for right now, it's going to be the same way as it used to be. Nothing's really going to change. Even This Saturday didn't really change us. And, and they get into this whole big fight about it. And she's like, am I telling the truth? And she, she points to the jock. If, if he comes up to him and, and it like, you're a sports guy and, and he's a nerdy guy and he comes up and starts talking to you, what are you going to do? You're going to talk to him for a minute and then when he walks off, you're going to talk about him and make fun of him so all your friends don't really think that you actually like him. Right? And the reality is, 
if we're perfectly honest, that's the way it is a lot of times even for people that call themselves to be Christians. People that call themselves to be Christ followers, they'll, they'll grow together at youth camp, but when things, when youth camp goes away, it's kind of like, oh, I've got to get back to the way things were, and uh, I'm going to get away from Jesus and back to what I'm used to, right? Because that's what we like is what we're used to. Jesus forever calls us to get away from what we're used to. He is constantly challenging us, and he challenges disciples, and he challenged every person that had an encounter with him to get away what you're, from what you're used to. There was this guy that was really rich, and he said, I'm ready to come follow you, Jesus. And he says, good, that's awesome. Give away all that you have to the poor, and then come and follow me. And he's like, whoa, but I'm really used to being rich. You want me to be used to not being rich? Yes. Yes, that's what it means to be a Christ follower. See, Jesus is constantly turning things upside down and turning them on their heads. And he doesn't really want us to be comfortable. Do you know why that is? Do you know why Jesus doesn't want you to be comfortable? It's because comfortable conforms to the world. And we're not supposed to be conformed to the world. We're supposed to be transformed by Jesus, and it's supposed to renew our minds. See, when you feel comfortable, that means the world is at work in your life and not Jesus. I hate to tell you that. I really do. Because some of you are enduring a lot of stuff coming against you because you're a Christ follower. And I just want to tell you, if that's the case, then you're following Jesus. If you're not enduring a lot of stuff because you're a Christ follower, it probably means you don't, either you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you're not very connected to him at all. You got this superficial understanding of who he is. But when you're a Christ follower, it changes everything and it makes you uncomfortable. Now, some of you are like, well, I don't know if I want to come back next Sunday or Wednesday because I don't really like that. Well, Jesus knew that too. And his answer to that question was, there will only be a few that will follow me. There won't be a whole bunch. There won't be a huge crowd. There'll be a huge crowd, and they'll follow me for what I can give them if I can put some food in their belly and turn five loaves and two fishes into, into a bunch of food for them. That's the only reason they'll follow me. But really follow me and really loving me, that's going to belong to just a few. There's only 12 of you right now, and soon there will only be 11. And that's the reality. You, if you're a Christ follower, listen to me. If you're a Christ follower, there's not going to be a lot of people on your side. There's not going to be a lot of people locking arms and, arm in arm with you going, yes, let's, let's conquer this world for Jesus and his kingdom. That's the reality. And, and, and part of the reason why we, we make it uncomfortable in here sometimes is because we want you to understand that when you go out there, it's going to be way more uncomfortable for you than it is in here. Way more. And you know that. You go to school every day. You know what that's like. And some of you adults are listening to me right now, and you know that I'm telling the truth because you go to work and you endure the same thing. That there ain't just a whole ton of people ready to, to, to take up their Bibles, take up their crosses, and follow Jesus. There just ain't a bunch of them. Jesus knew that. And the reason we're okay with you being a small group is because we just want you to be disciples of Jesus. 
And sometimes that means you ain't going to have a lot of people beside you. That's just the way it is. That's why, that's why it's so important that the relationships you have with the people sitting around you right now, that's why they're so important. Adults, that's why it's so important that we not scatter out all over the building, but we be tightly knit as a family. Because there's so few of us, man. If we, don't, if we don't bond together, then what do we have? What do we have? I mean, if we don't do that, then we're just like the world. We're just like the world. So we're going to look in James chapter 2 and see what James says about this. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? If you favor some, some people over others. Wow, James, I really do wish you could have sugar-coated that a little bit. You know? Like he says, if you favor other people, you're not a Christ follower. You don't love Jesus. Really? <laughs> well, maybe we should try a different translation or something. Maybe this translation is just bad. James says... How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? How? How do you claim to have any faith whatsoever? Why is he saying that? Because that's not the way Jesus was. That's not the way Jesus was. And he's going to go into this in just a minute and talk to us about how Jesus was. See, Jesus was all about the outcast. He, he was, and, and listen to me, you don't have to be a nerd to be an outcast. You, you don't have to be in the band to be an outcast, okay? Now, why do I say that? Because I was in the band, and I was a nerd, okay? I was a recluse up until the time I was about 17 years old. I didn't really talk to anybody. I didn't really speak up. I didn't really reach out. I was just kind of me, and I was good with that. And, and, and to be honest with you, um, I've shared this several times before, but I'll share it again. When I was young, I really kind of got picked on a lot by people I thought that were my best friends. I really did. For whatever reason, they, they chose me to be the butt of all the jokes um, that, you know, they would, they would laugh it off and act like it was just a joke, but I was like, why am I the butt of every single joke that y'all have? Why are you constantly making fun of me? I know that you say you're just kidding, but it, it's, it's really kind of hurting me. It's like they singled me out and said, well, that's going to be the guy that we're going to pick on. Now, they told me, and they acted like it was a joke, but I knew it wasn't really a joke because it didn't feel like a joke to me. You know what I wish I had? You know what I wish I had at that moment in time? I wish I had been surrounded by Christians that wouldn't do that. I wish I had been surrounded by people that love Jesus that wouldn't treat me that way and put me down and, and say jokes that even though they say they didn't really hurt me, they really did. I really wish I'd have been around those folks. And you've got a golden opportunity to be that for somebody and to be loved in that way. I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to miss that. These, I mean, I was in the band and I played the trombone, right? So... Sometimes, at least in, in my age, uh, back in my day, you really kind of, people looked at you funny for being in the band, right? It's okay. You can be in the band. And you can be really cool, like me, and be in the band, you know? Um, 
Y'all are like, yeah, it'd be like Kenny. Um, so anyway, so, I, I mean, people did. I mean, now, most of my friends were in the band, so they didn't really pick on me about that. So uh, that wasn't really a big deal. But there were some people, especially the people that played a lot of sports, they picked on me because I was in the band. Just kind of something they said about me. Now, they didn't really do it with the intention of hurting me. They just did it for the intention of singling me out and pointing me out and saying that I was different than them and trying to say I didn't have any athletic prowess or something like that. That's what they were trying to do. Now, you and I both know what, what it takes to be in the band and how difficult it is to march and play an instrument and actually have the intellectual ability to be able to do all of that at the same time. So we really know who's, <laughs> who's got more ability. But anyway, we won't go into that. Um, but really, I mean, people used to... I, I mean, there was this, there was this one girl that... Um, she wanted to date me, right? And uh, it's so funny because I didn't want to date her. <laughs> and uh, man, I, I'm just like, I'm, this is on podcast, so I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail. Besides to say that she, it really bothered her that I didn't want to date her. Uh, this is not Kasha, by the way. This is another girl. Uh, but it really bothered her that I didn't want to date her. And this is what she said to me. She said, do you know how much guts it took for me to tell anybody else that I really wanted to go out with you and you were in the band? I was like, that's why I don't want to date you. You hit the nail on the head right there. See, you don't want who I am. You want somebody else that just happens to have this other stuff tagging along and you don't really like so much. But I was like, that's why I don't want to date you. That's exactly it. Good job. You pointed it out. Thank you for making me feel better. But even, even on the band bus, there for a while, I kind of sat alone a lot. Because I didn't want to be sitting with my friends that picked on me. Even though they said it was a joke and they really didn't mean it. And they, I just didn't want to be around that. So I didn't really have a lot of people to hang around. It was kind of by myself a lot. Man, what I would give to go back now and actually have a youth group, have some Christians around me that didn't really care about anything else besides the fact that I was a brother in Christ. That's what we're supposed to be. And this is what James is telling us. You can't look at people in a different way. You've got to look at everybody the same. You can't show favoritism towards one and, not the, and, and like look down on somebody else. You can't do that. Not if you claim to have faith in Jesus Christ. Let's go on to see what James says. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. Now, we don't have this happen a lot in real life, but it does happen sometimes here at church. We have people um, that come into church that they don't really have clothes that they can wear. That's one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of wearing jeans to church. It's because we, you know, if I, if, if I pick up somebody that's hitchhiking and uh, they got a backpack and they got dirty jeans on, I don't want them to come in here and feel out of place. That's, that's the reason. Now, if you, wear, if you are like dead set on, I got to wear a dress to come to church, that's fine. But I, I encourage people to wear jeans so that anybody can come and they feel like they fit in. They don't feel like we're looking down on them because they have different clothes or they don't have money. Some people, I mean, that's the reason, I'll, I mean, I, I'm telling you from experience. There's a lot of people that, that have told me the reason I don't go to church is because I'm afraid my car will break down in the parking lot. And I want to tell them, you come to Simple Church, and we'll, we'll either take you home or we'll have, help you fix your car in the parking lot because we've done it before, haven't we? And there's a lot of folks around here shaking their head going, yeah, we have. 
That's the only reason. That's the only reason why we've taken tradition and thrown it out the window because we don't want this to happen. We don't want this to happen. There's plenty of churches where that happens. We don't want it to happen here. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't that discrimination show that you are, your judgments are guided by evil motives? Guided by evil motives. What does that mean? Because you look at somebody and you say, you can sit here at the table while you go sit on the floor or you go stand over there in the corner, that you're guided by evil motives? Why does he say that? Evil motives. I just, I just thought that was me being me. No. That's you being like the world because that's what the world does and that's what everybody else does, but that's not what Jesus does. See, when everybody else would look down on the poor, Jesus said, you know, bring them to me. I'm going to go and I'm going to reach out to the people that have nothing. That's going to be the people that, that I reach out to. I think that's the reason a lot of people liked him. It's because he reached out to the people that didn't have anything. I want to be like Jesus, don't you? I don't want my motives to be evil. I want, I want my motives to be like Jesus. I, what he did, that's, that's what I want to do. When, when Jesus first starts his ministry and he reads from, from the scroll of Isaiah, and he starts talking about he's come to, to preach repentance, and he's come to preach good news to the poor. He was turning everything on its head because they, they just wanted to reach out to the rich people, the people that could, could add to what the Pharisees already had. And Jesus said, no. You know, the, the widow with two mites who, who put the two mites in, in the offering plate? And Jesus said, she's given more than the rest of you. Do you know what he was talking about there? I bring this up a lot because I like to correct people. You know, a lot of people get this all jacked up and they think that, well, Jesus was so happy because that widow was putting her two mites in there and she gave more than all the rest. Jesus was infuriated when he said that. He was absolutely about to lose his mind because immediately, if you read the scripture, you'll see. Jesus says to the Pharisees, you have built your ministries on the backs of people that have nothing. You should go read it. Go read it. That's exactly what it says. Jesus is infuriated because these, these people are taking money from people that don't have anything. That's not Jesus' way. Jesus came for the sick people, the poor people, the people that felt like they weren't worth anything, the people, that, the lepers that, that felt like that they couldn't even come around anybody else or, or be or be loved by anybody else, or be touched by anybody else. That's the people Jesus went to. So what are we supposed to be, Christians? What are we supposed to be? Like Jesus, or have evil motives? It's pretty obvious, right? It's pretty obvious what we're supposed to do. The hard part's when you go out there, when you go to school tomorrow, and then you got to do it. Because right now, it's pretty easy to talk about. We're just talking about it right now. Tomorrow, you got to live it. Tomorrow, hopefully, what you'll do is you'll be standing at your locker and you'll look at the person next to you and you'll think, Jesus or evil motives? That, that's my prayer. Is that all you can think are when I'm standing there at my locker and you're looking at the person next to you that gets on your nerves, that's always gotten on your nerves, that you'll think, are my motives evil? Or are they like Jesus? Am I going to treat the person at the locker next to me just like I treated the people that I love so dearly that went to camp with me? That's when it gets real. 
And adults, your boss that makes you angry, uh, the person at work that makes fun of you for, for being a Christian, if they know that you're a Christian, will you treat them like Jesus would treat them or you treat them like the world treats them and you go, well, they deserve it, so they're going to get what they deserve. And my question to you then is, are your motives evil? That's why we call it simple church, because it's really, really simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate what the Bible says. It's pretty simple. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. And he's talking to Christians. He's talking to people that, that love Jesus. Listen to me. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress and drag you into the court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. What, 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 what do you think is being met, uh, meant by love your neighbor? What do you think that is? You think that that's an affectionate kind of love where you're supposed to, to hug them and, and wrap your arms around them and kiss them on the cheek and tell them they're the greatest thing in the world? Could, could it just be that? Or you think maybe it means something a little deeper than that? Well, let's think about Jesus for just a second. Is that the way that Jesus loved his neighbor? How did Jesus do it? How did, how did Jesus love his neighbor? Since Jesus is, is the one that, that said this is... This is one of the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He summarized all the commandments down to these two, and he says, this is what the law is about. So how did Jesus love his neighbor as self? What did Jesus do? Am I, I'm sure that Jesus at some point would grab people and hug them and wrap his arms around them and kiss them, even if they were a leper. I mean, we know that he would put his hands on people. We know that he... he put mud on a blind guy's eyes and the guy was able to see. We know that he touched people. But as a whole, what did Jesus do? How did Jesus love his neighbor as himself? Oh, this is going to blow your mind because it's so super simple. You may never have really thought about it in these terms, but what did Jesus do to love people? He met their needs. He met their needs. Isn't that what Jesus did? Whatever their need was, he met their needs. He saw their need, and he met their need. That's how Jesus loved people. That's how he loved me. He saw my need for a Savior, and he met that need. So, as Christians, what are we supposed to do to love our neighbor? You think we should see the need and meet the need? You think that may be what Jesus is talking about when he says this is one of the two greatest commandments? To see people's needs and meet their needs? Could it be that simple? Have you ever thought about it in those terms before? Well, what's their greatest need? What, what's people's greatest need? Jesus Christ, a Savior, an eternal Savior, so they don't go to hell. They don't spend eternity separated from God. That's their biggest need. Are you meeting that need for people? Are you telling them, I see your need for this, and I desperately want you to know the only way you're going to have that need met is through Jesus Christ. Let me be an ambassador to Christ. Let me show you what it's like to be a Christian. 
let me love you in a way that, that you recognize that Jesus loves you. Oh, I know it's super hard. And I know it gets harder tomorrow. And it'll get harder the day after that. But I didn't say it. The one that saved your soul, he's the one that said it. He's the one that said it. But if you favor some people other, uh, over others, you're committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. We haven't been overly complicated tonight. I just told you that you shouldn't show favoritism and you should meet people's needs. And it doesn't just apply to non-Christians. It applies to each other. You've got to meet one another's needs too. As brothers and sisters in Christ, what we're supposed to do is bond together because there's so few of us. We've got to join in unity with Christ as the head and we've got to be there for one another. Now, if the pattern of your life is one of sin, it has been one of sin, where you've been guilty of looking at others with favoritism, if you've been guilty of that, the good news is this. The good news is this. If there's the grace of Jesus available to you, he's the one that washes away sin. So if this has been the pattern of your life, that pattern can be changed, but it can only be changed in one way, and that is through the renewing of your mind through Jesus Christ. If the pattern of your life has been one like the world, your mind and your heart can be transformed through Jesus Christ. But you have to allow Him. And that means you're going to have to do some hard stuff. But it's so critically important. I wish I had been more like that when I was your age. I wish I had been that for somebody, and I wish somebody had done that for me. The challenge is this. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? If you don't, you ask. You ask him humbly and say, God, I have nothing to bring to the table, but I want you to change my life and I trust in you for my salvation. And that's what you do. If, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, but the pattern of your life has not been one like Christ, then come and ask him to, to cleanse you and, and, and renew your spirit Come and repent of your sin and say, God, I, I've walked away from you, but I want to turn back towards you because that's what he does. He does this creating new over and over again through the power of his Holy Spirit. So allow him to do that. Adults, the same goes for you. If you don't know him, you can have a relationship with him. Some of you have been pretending like you do and you don't. That's okay. Jesus knows that. He's not intimidated by that. As a matter of fact, he loves you more than you love yourself. And he wants a relationship with you more than you want a relationship with him. If you're a Christ follower, but the pattern of your life has been one more like the world than it has been like Christ, come and repent of that sin. His grace is sufficient to sustain you through it. To pick you up, even though you've fallen, to pick you up, dust you off, and make you new again. He not only has the power to cleanse you, but he has the power to sustain you through the power of his Holy Spirit. The same power that raised him from the dead is the same power that exists within you if you're a Christ follower. Let me pray. Father, thank you.
for the power of your Holy Spirit and the transforming power of your word. God, I pray that as we've just been honest with students and with adults this, this evening, Lord, that, God, you have challenged them. Now, maybe they haven't loved people like you love them. Now, maybe they haven't been meeting needs the way that you've called them to, and maybe you've convicted them of that. Lord Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would not just convict them of that, but, God, it would bring them to a place of repentance so they can turn away from being like that and be more like you. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in people's hearts right now. God, as you reveal to them the truth of your word and you reveal to them the truth of your grace, and that is that no matter what they've done or where they've been, that, God, you are there and you are available for them to turn towards you and ask for forgiveness and be made new. Lord, this is a process. Even as Christians, God, we have to be renewed day by day. So, God, I pray that we would repent. And I pray that we would turn towards you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would show us the way to be more like you every single day. God, this is your time for us to respond to you. I pray that you're glorified in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone please stand?